2: John Copenhagen and Al Warren, third on KTV, 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and 1050 AM Palm
3: Springs. Welcome back into the house of mystery. I'm Al Warren, Mr. David, Dime Store Martino. <laughs> It's dime store now. Okay, Well, are back to the dime store because I'm store, still yes. I'm stuck in the fifties, and it's going to yeah. be five and dime, five and dime at best, five and ten cent. Wonder what you would have bought there back in the day, because you see, yeah. they didn't have DVDs. So what would no. you be doing a in a dime? Dog- yeah, so what would you do in a five and dime? Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's funny. We had five and dimes. They, they of course, you know, didn't sell stuff for five cents and ten cents. You know, back in the '80s, oh, I yeah. can't remember what I bought in those stores—cheap earrings or something yeah. like that. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. all your all your makeup and stuff. Yeah, that's it. You know, when you were going to the Kiss concert, yeah. You put on oh, your parents' yeah. poor parents. Okay, well, this um Enough of this cheap talk yeah. that you do all the time. You know, we got we got serious that's people right. waiting here. We got, we got a <laughs> publisher writers. We got this. This is important. You're sitting down, right? I'm sitting down. Well, good, good. Now, we're going to talk about a new book called House of Haunts. And uh, Heather Doherty is the um, author, editor, and her husband is a publisher and has written books as well, Joshua Lloyd Fox. So thank you for being here, guys. Happy to be here. Thank you. Heather, so you've got this book, House of Haunts. So what is it we're talking about here? Now, you, of course, you got a forward by Josh Mellerman, so that's going to be a huge boost for you. But it's also got to do you feel a lot, a lot of pressure when you have a forward from someone so big?
0: Uh, it definitely, I, I was nervous to send him the stories, you know, because he is big and obviously knows what he's doing. And so when we finally had the whole anthology put together and ready to send to him, because his forward was the last part of it, I, I was a little nervous. I thought, gosh, I hope, I hope he thinks this is as good as I think it is. Um, and then he did. So that worked out nicely, I guess, all
3: around. Cause that would be crazy. You send it to him and then he's like, Oh, it's good. Only you need to, and they start giving you all this advice. That would be like just devastating. Right.
0: So uh, the forward he wrote was wonderful, you know, gorgeous, great stuff in the book. But my favorite thing was the message he sent me. He was in the process of reading the book, and he sent me a message that just said, "This book, it is so oh my,
3: fucking
0: good." And I was like, "Josh Mallerman just said my book is so how fucking dare you!" Good. Like I couldn't believe it. But like that, that, that's that's high praise for me.
3: No, it is. I know. I'm I'm the only guy he said that about too. That, but that was on a different thing. It wasn't about a book. That was that was a totally different thing we did. But um, so you guys are are. Together and now let's get this right. Now, you have a publishing house, right? So you, you have a small publishing house. Is that sort of how you guys got together originally or?
1: Yeah. So, um, we became fe- Facebook friends. I lived in the DC area okay. and just for the book stuff at the time. I believe I, and I hate to say this, I don't want to sound egotistical. I was a little bigger than you, I think, because I had the book tour and, and everything. So, Um, I don't know who caught whose attention on Facebook, but we became Facebook friends and started talking. And then when I had a book signing in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I just reached out to her and I said, hey, I'm going to be in uh, Barnes & Noble in Tulsa doing a book signing if you want to come by. And maybe we could even talk to the the people there, see if we can get you a signing because she had a book called uh, tells my grandmother's told me coming out soon and so we did we met last year in uh, summer June time frame uh, in person although we'd been friends for uh several several months before that on Facebook but meeting in person at my book signing and then we I took you over to Beth who was the, the bookseller there and set you up your own mm-hmm. signing and then I, we we dropped off and I actually dropped off because I was doing a my own stuff in my own life. And then I owed her a review for tales that I never wrote. I still haven't written it. And when I owe somebody something and I'm not able to do it, I have a really bad habit of just ignoring them. So hopefully they go away and stop making me feel guilty. And um, this next year in uh, March, you were reaching out about Texas Author Con, asking me if I wanted to go. And I said, oh, Heather, hey, what's going on with you? And we started talking and come to find out we had both been single for that whole last almost year. And um, our lives were moving weirdly in par- parallel courses. And that talk became one of many. And about four months later, we got we tied the knot at Bishop Castle in Colorado and Water Tower Hill Publishing. My press absorbed her press and we're now moving forward by leaps and bounds. We're compounding everything we had started doing uh, now that we're doing it together.
3: Yeah, but Heather, did, did you actually buy a book at that book signing and get him to sign it?
0: Uh, I did not buy a book. He gave me a book. I started out in the book world as a book reviewer, and I did that for a couple of years before I started writing my own stuff. And so he told me when he invited me to come to his book signing, I'll, I'll give you... This the one of my books that I think you'll like best. And, uh, you know, hopefully you'll give me a review for it. And he gave me the book, and I did give him a review for it. And he, three
1: stars. He three? still,
0: to this day, won't let me forget that I only
3: gave <laughs> well, him it, Maybe
1: she maybe it was a one, right? She, was being yeah. she told me it needed a good edit, and since then, she has
3: edited it. Edited
0: it. It's more than three stars now because it's had a good Three time. and a half.
3: There you go. Editing's really important. I think a lot of writers don't realize there's, especially you no, know, in today's world. I'm not saying yours, but in today's world with Amazon and with the availability, you can just publish anything so quickly and instantly. You just need a few bucks. You don't need to have any of that stuff behind you, really. So a lot of people put things out and. Writers that have really good ideas, but they don't necessarily run it through an editor. So editing is really important, don't you think?
0: Well, I uh, I am an editor. That's how I make my money. That's my day job. I edit other people's books. Um, and I always say, kill your darlings, but pay your editors. Because I I've read so many books that are great ideas, but have so many... Just basic grammatical errors, misspellings and stuff in them that it really takes away from the story. And I'm like, guys, get your book edited. It will do so much better. It's worth it. Trust me. Pay your editors.
1: I I will say in her review, and even if it was three star, that doesn't matter, but her review was my favorite. So I write a series of books that are multi genre. And this was, it's a, it's a serial killer thriller book. Um, and I I thought her being a horror. Fanatic, they would be the only one that I've written that she would even like. I didn't give her any of the other ones. But I held on to that review, and even the suggestions she made within it stuck with me. Maybe that made you stick with me a, a bit, and I think cool. that's how we are. So, So she says, pay your editors, and I say, if you can't do that, marry them. <laughs>
3: Well, yeah, that's a cheaper way of doing it. It is. <laughs> in the so, short term, yes. <laughs> yeah, checks in the mail, right? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Heather, why did you get into editing? Like, what was it that drew you there? Was it something you have always been?
0: Need for money. Um,
3: <laughs> okay, perfect.
0: I, I started doing reviews, and then I started writing. And after um, my second book came out, which was Tales My Grandmother Told Me, I had been married before. I had been a stay-at-home mom had not worked and had an income of, income of my own for, like, 20 years. Um, and then... And homeschooled. And homeschooled five kids, yeah. So, but my ex-husband and I split up last year. And all of a sudden, I needed to make money, but I also needed to be there for my kids. And so I was just sort of racking my brain for what what skills do I have that I can use and still be able to work at home, and, and be with my kids, take care of them and stuff. And I've always been kind of a, a grammar fanatic. You know, author friends have asked me to read over their short stories and, and um, you know, see if there's anything they need to change or, or whatever many times before. And I just thought, maybe I can actually make money at this. And so I started slow. I, I would just do books for individual authors at first. And then now I work with uh, three different Uh, publishing house well i guess four if you include ours but three besides ours uh that i pub that i edit stuff for and still some individual authors now and then when i get asked but i make i make good enough money doing it
1: you shouldn't sell yourself short i'll i'll tell you something about my wife she has the personality and the brain because in the in the book world you get known for what you're best at For me, I'm a logistics guy. I could format anything and I do it longhand, the old style way. But when you, when you get that reputation as being fantastic as an editor, but you're also uh, affordable and you're super nice and you're affirmative in your edits. You're like, Hey, change this, but I really like this. She's got a reputation in the book world as an editor that, um, that got her a Mallerman as a forward, you know, don't, don't sell yourself short love. I don't think it was all for money I think it's who you are and when somebody when the when the world sees that you're doing what you're best at they
3: will beat a path to your door yeah you should see my door it's been broken down for <laughs> <months. laughs> it's it, 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 so when you guys get together like I always say this so much of our life affects what we do in our artistic endeavors whether it's painting writing acting whatever it is um you can't help but absorb your life at home so now your lives have changed you know you have you met married moved in together and all that so joshua how has heather changed your writing do you think
1: wow um i will say that my writing and publishing and and we both maintain a day job through all this but um i was able to kind of take a step back and take a consulting job instead of like you know full 80 hour a week job like i had before but our, our life now, and that's such a great question. Our life now is books. Um, we wake up books, we go to sleep books. Uh, it's, it's both of our passion and purpose. And so I would say go back to that compounding statement I made earlier in that I wrote and published books for the last four years as a side hustle is a really good way to say it as a, as a way to like just get my toes in the door. And once Heather and I married, it's our life. I, I I rarely worry and focus on the day job. I do what I need to do and I jump right back on. Like you should say, I have an L-shaped desk and I have my day job on one side and my book stuff on the other. But on the book stuff, we have two chairs pulled up to the the desk and we sit here and she has her laptop and I have my laptop with the monitor or two. And it's it's changed so much um, in that way, the, the life, the day-to-day, but then in my writing I literally have my editor sleeping next to me and I could say, Hey, how did I do this with this chapter, this sentence, this paragraph? What do you think about this? How does it flow? Did I, did I get this plot point correctly? So the logistics, the, the, the science behind putting out a really good book, which we see in House of Haunts as we work together to make that one, what it is when your whole life is just wrapped around that, and we have kids, and we have shared interest, and we do all this other stuff, but, man, his books are complete life.
3: Right, right. Is your, does your chair vibrate? Is it a massage chair?
0: No, we just <laughs> take turns giving each other massages. Yeah, we're just like, hey, can
1: you grab this shoulder for me right here?
3: Well, Heather, how is this, how has this affected your writing, do you think? What, what's? Do you notice any differences in the way you write now?
0: He He's going to think this is funny. Um, it's not so much my my writing style um it's, my, it's what would you say that i pay more attention to the way the pages look because he does he, he he has all this i don't know knowledge wisdom about how a book should actually look when it's put together not just the story but but the way the pages look at and the, the way the paragraphs are split up and, and how much white space there is around the words and and he's really made me, I, I just break my paragraphs apart like crazy now that I'm married to him. Cause I, I I'm like, you don't want to have these big, huge blocks of text all together cause people tend to skip over the last half. You got to break it up. And, and so I pay much more attention to that kind of stuff than I ever did before, uh, in my own writing. And actually I pay attention to it now more when I'm editing other people's writing and I'm like, Hey, sorry, I'm going to make your book like 20 pages longer just cuz I'm going to start splitting up these paragraphs like crazy so that your page looks better. Uh that's all Josh's fault.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I'm really into readability scores, negative space on a page, pagination, paragraph and sentence structure. I love the science and the logistics behind a book. Now, I love to write a entertaining story. That's fine. But I'm a science guy first and a logistics guy. I was an engineer for 25 years. So I love the science of putting a book together, even, even the binding and the, the margins and page size and trim and all. I just love it. That's just the fun part of it for me. So you're welcome. I taught you some <laughs> stuff.
0: You did teach me some stuff. <laughs> I'll admit it. You taught me some stuff. Sorry. Right.
1: Well, writers don't know to think about that stuff. That's editors and publishers job, but. When you're editing and if you can do that for them from the get go and go, hey, let's make your page a little bit more readability or readable because of this scientific study. They started back in the 60s and 70s in the military for maintenance manuals, readability scores, the flash score for readability is so important in the industry. And if you go talk to any of the big publishers at the big five, they know exactly what I'm talking about because it sells books.
3: Well, um, Heather, um, when you create a horror short story anthology like um, House of Haunts, as an editor, what what do you look for when you're when you're picking short stories?
0: Well, this anthology was a little different than most. I couldn't just send out an open submission call because the way this book is set up, there's a a story in each room of our house. So I couldn't just say, "Hey, I, uh, I need a bunch of stories." about rooms in a house, because I would have ended up with, you know, I think I said yesterday, I'd end up with 12 kitchens and no bathrooms. You know, I had to approach individual authors one at a time and say, I'm doing this. But if you want to do it, you have to pick your room. That's your room. You're stuck with it, basically. And then, you know, I would take that room off my list and go to the next author and say, here's what's left. Which room would you like? And I, I, I had to go through that 23 times till we had our whole house filled up with, um, with authors.
1: I will say we did, we did have a few authors submit stories that were a little bit more splatter horror or a little bit more outside of what your original call was. And those had to be reworked as well because you wanted the classic horror ghost story kind of rather than the shock horror. And, and I, and I learned that in the horror world, there's actually levels of it. And I didn't, I didn't realize that there's actually some Clean, nice, <laughs> normal-looking church-going horror readers, and then there's the ones that just love things grinding up in a garbage disposal kind of thing. So, um,
0: although we do we do have we do have that, yeah. garbage disposal in this book,
1: um, but she so being the editor of an anthology, which I learned as well, you know the the idea was hers, the the way she set it up, the way she divided it, everything up, the original concept. But when she made the call out to the authors who she finally chose, and I think you had, what, like 60 authors reach out?
0: I had a lot more authors who want to be involved yeah. than I could actually have involved.
1: And when Mallerman signed on early and you had, like, uh, Slade signed on early, Gage Greenwood, I mean, some big names in the horror world. Um, because of who Heather is, again, she's got a good name in the horror world, and she knows the right people like Jennifer Ann Gordon and mm-hmm. and stuff. So she put that name out and then she's the one that really curated would be the best word I could use, not even edited, but curated this tour through this haunted house in the grounds and the concepts of everything. And then, you know, she just turned to me to make it happen. And so it was, and it turned into exactly what it is now. I'm sure if you got on social media or Amazon, it, house of haunts is just blowing up everywhere this week. So super proud of you lady.
2: Thank you.
3: Yeah, lady. <laughs> What you kind of outline in your mind as a story, and how you want this, how you want this book to come together, this anthology, and and you're sitting there thinking this, and then you put out the calls, and then you decide on the stories and all that. Now that it's finished and it's published, and you look at the book, is it and does it look like what you had envisioned at the beginning?
0: Well, actually, it looks much much better. Um... And there's a few reasons for that. Uh, originally, our house was going to have uh, 12 rooms. And I had, I had I think, the first 10 authors. And I wasn't really sure who to choose for the next two. I thought I was kind of pushing my luck. I had asked so many people that I thought would say no, and then they had said yes. So uh, I was getting a little nervous to ask anyone else. So I just put out a call on Facebook and said, you know, because I know a lot of authors. And I said, who, who would like to write a ghost story for this book i had two spots left i had about 60 people respond to me so i made sort of a, a executive decision to add more rooms to the house and have more stories uh, and it went up to 16 and then it was 20 and then it was 24 and then it went back down that we ended up with 23 um i still have to tell a lot of people no which i i didn't like having to do but the 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 reason the book is so much better than I thought it would be to begin with is two reasons. First of all, the way that the authors ended up working together, we, we sort of formed this family as we worked on this book together. We had a Facebook group, a private group where we would just talk. I set out the very basics. I said, here's basic storyline of Hale House I drew up floor plans uh just on some graph paper of what the house looked like, where the rooms were so that people could could know, okay, my room is next to this other person's room, uh, and they would they would talk to each other and stories um and had asked authors to add in little bits of other people's stories to their stories so that the whole thing sort of melded together and and that's fabulous. But the book as a physical object looks 10,000 times better than I ever thought it would because I met and married uh, this guy, Josh, who can take the hottest mess of a collection of Word documents and make it into a gorgeously, gorgeously formatted book. So he gets all the praise for the way the actual physical book looks. He did all the formatting. He put in all the graphics. He took my sad little uh, floor plans that I drew on graph paper and made them into these beautiful sort of Victorian architectural drawings that are in the book. He he just made everything so pretty. And it's it's just the book itself to hold in your hands and look at is the most gorgeous thing. And that is all his work. And I am so thankful that he came along because I could never have made it look as good as it does.
1: Uh, The bills in the mail. (laughs) Uh, Well,
3: tell me which author did did you have to? Did you ever get like a story and you go, "This is terrible," and so who is it? And let's get them on the line here. I want to. Oh
0: (laughs) no, 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 no,
3: they're
0: they're
3: no. Well, you're no fun. Come on, let's get some controversy.
0: We we had one author whose story was a little more extreme than than I was comfortable with putting in the book.
3: And, oh, Dave uh, sent the story.
0: <laughs> no, uh, you know there there are some people in the book are extreme horror authors, but I said in the very first uh, letter that I sent out, you know, we don't want super extreme. Obviously, it's horror. There's maybe going to be some blood and some you know violence, whatever, but but not too extreme. We're we're going for a more old school Victorian gothic haunted house kind of feel here. Um
1: well it wasn't even that he wasn't unwilling to change the story, is that you have some writers that get into this mindset. They're like, the story takes over and just tells itself. I don't know how true that is. I've written six novels at a hundred thousand words plus and I'm not and I'm a pantser, you know, things happen that I don't don't expect to happen, but I in no way let a story take over, especially if I'm writing within guidelines and word count rules because of the publishing cost you have 23 authors and they if they all write fifteen thousand words you know stories that publishing that book's going to be too expensive to publish and so she set those rules in place and because of artistic artistic license we had to tell one author you know pretty much no and that's there's no right or wrong about that but she had very clear guidelines and when Writers take artistic license outside of those guidelines and then blame said artistic license. You're not you're not being the team player and you're certainly not, you know, wanting to be a part of this, especially when we have 22 other authors who are not doing that. So, yeah, we had a bit of drama in this, but it it got sorted.
3: Well, we have them on the line. No, you know, (laughs) Joshua, so when you're sitting there writing a story, how does it come to you then? Are you, are you getting, um, characters in your mind? Do you, do you have a relationship with the characters you write in your books or is it completely separate?
1: So there's a bit of, there's a bit of me in every, uh, so I write a, I write a fantasy sci-fi series right now that's gaining traction. It's called the Archangel Missions and it's, it's multi-genre. So multi um, character So I have men and women and young people, old people. I have uh, homosexual relationships and I have, uh, you know, interracial relationships and stuff because I like to tell the truth in my books. But I, I when I sit down, I kind of know where I'm, where I want it to end up. And I have these great huge concepts for each book and the series end is going to be Pretty crazy. But really and truly, when I sit down, it's kind of like, have you sat down to watch the next episode of, a of say, a TV series that you like and it only comes out once a week? And you're like, this is what I want to see in the next series or the next show. And you're like, I want to see, you know, Cersei Lannister get stabbed in the throat or I want to see, you know, whatever, whatever show you're watching. And then that doesn't happen, but you're still satisfied with what they do ended up doing. So that's the best analogy I can give for when I sit down, I have an expectation of where I want it to go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile,
2: we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week individual results may vary
1: but that's usually not what happens but then what does happen works and then people have asked me where where do you get your ideas for your plot twist where you get you know do you sit down and you're like you're like these guys that Stephen King talks about in on writing where they they clock in at 6 a.m and they clock out at 10 a.m and um, they did 2,000 words and that was it I'm like no, I I I get stuck on something and I'll just go about my day. And some way somehow, I'm in the shower, I'm pushing a grocery cart, I'm doing something, and then the idea just is just there, like it always was. And that's that's here I am using artistic license, but um, but yeah, that's that's how I've written now in four years, six full novels. It just I, I sit down and I expect something, and then I just I'm I'm as entertained as anybody else by what actually gets put on the page.
3: So is it the story that comes first or is it the characters?
1: For me, the characters and, and, and not even the characters' actions, for me it's the emotions. I want my character to feel this, so this has to happen. And if I did good character development in the beginning, where I kinda I kinda know how my character would react to something, it's the emotions of my characters that drive me. I'm an emotional character driven writer action and description, I'm a very minimalist writer, but I will 100% put in there how a character felt about a specific situation. And and that probably st- stems a lot from being a, a little bit more of an emotionally intelligent person rather than just watching action movies and football and drinking beer and barbecuing with the guys. I'm a little bit different when it comes to that. Yeah, it's it's character driven first. And then within that character is the emotions.
3: So that's Heather that Watches the football with the guys and drinks beer. I I yeah. think
0: it I think it's quite funny that he said that because he does do all those things <laughs> uh, like barbecue and watch football and stuff. But but he's he's a complex uh, individual, yeah. so, multi-faceted, <laughs> thank
3: you. A yeah.
0: renaissance man. He does it all. There you go. That is true. That is true. It's he? What he said is not wrong, but he also does all other things.
3: Well, how do you take this? Like, uh, Heather, like, what kind of relationship do you have with your characters, and do you sort of create them in your minds? Do you do you see them as real? Do you have, do you hear their voices like when you're doing dialogue, or uh, how is your experience writing characters?
0: You know, it's been, uh, it's been a while since I actually wrote anything of my own. I'm going to have to think about that. Um, I'm, I, I grew up on reading my grandmother's old, old collections of ghost stories that's the horror that sort of made me and so i tend to write in that same sort of style where the atmosphere is kind of a character of its own and and when i sit down to write a story my first thought is not what is the plot or or what are the characters like my my first thought is what emotions am i trying to evoke here and how am i going to do that what am i going to do to my characters to get this emotion out of my readers The deep am i being deep right now
1: no it's like it's like you're you think that a different way of going into it you think about how the reader is going to experience what you're writing whereas most writers it's how they're experiencing it and then other people can like it or not that's interesting i like that
0: no i'm absolutely trying to get a certain sort of response out of my reader when i write
3: something like hate mail no, no. Oh, we can no. send you that. Yes. Don't worry. No. No. So when you do that, and and you're 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 conscious of your reader, does that also go into because you're doing horror, like for instance in the new book, are you thinking about the violence that you write in in the book or that comes across in the book? Is are you conscious of what some readers in today's culture are going to how they're going to react to that?
0: I am conscious of that. I personally don't write anything terribly like violent um my, my stuff is much more quiet slow burn psychological kind of horror like
1: comfy horror
0: cozy horror cozy horror <laughs> <laughs> I, I call it cozy horror
1: cozy horror but
0: I, i'm not an extreme horror writer in any way i um i think that the unknown is what is scariest to everyone in some way whatever you're afraid of relates to something that you don't you don't know you don't understand you can't control so i really try to just play on that when i write you know like people are afraid of the dark not that the dark itself is scary but that when you're in the dark you don't know what's around you you don't know if there's danger nearby you don't know you know, what, what's coming at you? You don't know how to protect yourself because you don't know what you have to protect yourself from. That's why people are afraid of the dark. And, and it all goes back to the unknown and, and not being in control of your situation. That's what scares people. Um, so I try to play on that, but I don't do it in any sort of, um, violent.
1: No, you're just stressing folks out. I,
0: I, I like people. To, I like people to say. You know, that scene was so tense, you know, or I could I could really feel, you know, the characters uh, uh, fear or their their anxiety or whatever in the scene. But I I I definitely try to do that in a very quiet.
3: More more like a Alfred Hitchcock, sort of a, more of a, a terror or a tension. Yeah, we just we just had that
1: conversation last night. We had night. a whole
0: conversation about Alfred Hitchcock last night.
1: It was what we were watching Fall of it. We're watching, follow the House of Usher. and yeah. the gentleman that's highly respected that does all those shows is just ripping off Hitchcock. Yeah. He's taking other people's work and putting it in a bite-sized, chewable way that society's accepting it now and making money hand over fist while not being original. It is a whole conversation we had last night, <laughs> but Hitchcock is who I enjoy in that, at least in that regard, the old school way
3: of doing things and take your character and make it. You know, what would they do? in a situation, like how far would they go in a situation, like um, a question, you know, like it's uh, taking a normal person and putting them under stress. I mean, that's kind of the ultimate of, of fear in a lot of people, terror.
1: Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, and going back to your original question, I wanted to just add one thing onto that about thinking about how society absorbs content in these days and how careful you have to be to try to not uh, upset certain people. When I, when I started writing my first fictional novel, it's called Had I Not Chosen, um, I wrote what I knew. I'm a straight white Christian male and that's what I wrote. And mm-hmm. I had an editor at the time and I love to work with very diverse people. And so I had an editor that was a young, uh, uh, gay girl, gay woman uh, that was a brilliant editor, but I enjoyed her viewpoint of the world because it was so different than mine. It was almost polar opposite. And so where I would write a a, a line that maybe come across as masochistic or, or uh you know definitely like, hey, you're too much man in this in this line, it really got me to thinking, like super got me to thinking. So I finished Chosen, into that and I started Amongst You and in Amongst You I one hundred percent wanted to write about police brutality and People that I don't have really anything in common with in the external. And man, I think another thing that writers, if they don't do it, they should do it, is almost making yourself uncomfortable writing things that maybe would help you to research if you don't know it or understand that the way you see the world is not how the world may really work. And going back to how you want to provoke a response from your reader. I get very nervous, extremely nervous, especially as we grow about offending anybody with my writing. And I know they say you shouldn't worry about that. Don't try to please anybody but yourself. But it, it is a scary situation in the world today as you as you grow more and your, your name gets out there more and you have a reputation. And for me, it's also for my children and stuff. So I think about that, too, now when I'm writing, trying to write from a less Christian white male Viewpoint, And I think it comes across now, you know, several books in that maybe I in this process have seen the world differently and hope that my readers do too.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting world. Like things are changing around us daily. And so it's something to be aware of, but yeah, you can't, you can't change your original concept too much, but you have to be conscious, I guess, of what, who your readers are.
1: It makes the story better. Right. I think it does. When I when I have people as characters within my book. So the serial killer book I gave to her is uh, three fluent males. One of them becomes a serial killer because he saw a childhood episode of of police brutality where two of his uh, childhood friends uh, that were black were were killed. And it made him want to change society by fear instead of, uh, you know, throwing a bunch of money behind charities and stuff so uh so he becomes a serial killer very prolific serial killer and he has he is all he's doing is literally trying to create fear in society for so that people would go back to the police would go back to relying on those who who protect us from that very thing you know it doesn't end well for him i don't want to spoil it but um he definitely makes the social changes in my book that he tried to and but but what I my original point was putting diverse people in that book made it so much richer and bigger. And man, did I have to really swallow some prejudices I had that I wasn't even aware of to get that book finished.
3: You in a in a way when you're writing a story like that, it's very very personal and very um you put a lot of your own emotions into it. In a way, doesn't that kind of make you feel a little bit vulnerable, exposing yourself, even on the page? Yeah, well,
1: yes. But two books before that, I wrote my own memoir of my own of my own life and why I am the way I am and the decisions I've made. And that was a vulnerability that I wouldn't wish on anybody. And I remember when I first sat down with a literary agent and I had finished, the book's called Had I Not, or I Won't Be Shaken, but I get all my names mixed up. I Won't Be Shaken. And I sat down with a literary agent in D.C. and she asked me, she goes, Josh, listen, it's a great book. You, you, you know, you're saying stuff that men normally don't say, and I think it, it'll be really big. But here's the question I have for you. Are you able to answer questions about what you wrote? If you go into an interview and the person has read this book and knows your deepest, darkest secrets, which I put in that book, can you answer to it now? Man, that's a gut check moment. That's a should I really be doing this? Because now the world's going to know fully who who Joshua Doherty is, Joshua Lloyd Fox, and why I am the way I am and done what I've done and why people feel the way they feel about me. So I, I'm answering your question in that I had written that first book. So by the time I got to like amongst you, it, it wasn't as bad. Um And I think that I get a lot of praise, uh, especially from like women and stuff that I can write points of views, not like my own pretty well. And I think it's only because I did the vulnerability stuff first and it created a fearlessness in my writing to just go ahead and just put what I believe is the truth in there and come hell or high water, just stick to who I am.
3: Well, Heather, House of Haunts, how do you think this process has changed you as a writer and an editor?
0: Well, I've, I've learned some things. Um, this was my first anthology. I, I just got it in my head that, that I wanted to do this, that I, I like writing, but the idea of sort of being the, the curator, the orchestrator of this, of an anthology of bringing all these things together and making them work together appealed to me more than just writing my own books. And I, I have had a lot of fun with this, but I've also had a lot of stress. I've learned a lot of things about how books are made, about the publishing world, legal, stuff, everything. There's a lot involved in making a book that involves 22, 23 other people. So I'm, I'm a very introverted person, and this required me to kind of step out of that and be, well, like Josh just said, take on more of a leadership kind of role. Um, and luckily I was working with people who are, are mostly, you know, friends or have become even better friends since we started this process. I've, I've had to um, sort of step up in my own life and become more confident in what I'm doing in, in my own choices and, and trusting my own instincts on, on what's going to work and what's not and, and how things need to move around and to sometimes have to be the 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 bad cop, the tough guy that says, "No, we're not going to do this this way. This is th- this is how we set out to do this and we can't just change it in order to be nice to other people." So there's that. I don't know if that actually answered your question. That's just where my mind went.
3: I like when you put on your back. Kind of kind of confidence, I think I I get that you gained a lot of confidence going through this. I did.
0: I did gain a lot of confidence. And uh, you know, I I actually I guess my Confidence levels started when I started doing my, my last book, my collection of short stories, tales my grandmother told me. Um, because I, I realized, and I've said this several times on social media that a lot of times in the, the literary world, you just have to ask and people more often than not will say yes for whatever you need, whatever you need help with. It's, it's a great community and people help each other if you just have the guts to ask for whatever you need and sometimes people can't do it or you know they're busy or they just don't want to you do get told no sometimes but I have discovered that you get told yes more often than no it it, but like I said for me as such an introverted person I was a horribly painfully shy child so for me to to go to someone that I don't know or just barely know and ask them to help me with something that that's a huge thing for me so my confidence Boosting, I guess, sort of started at that point, which was a couple of years ago. And and I guess the whole writing literary world has has sort of started turning me into a person that I was not before and giving me a confidence in myself and my own abilities.
3: Well, speaking of the uh, the literary world, you know, I'm curious. How did you get connected to the horror community? I I ended up finding them, you know, especially horror writers of the 80s and 90s on a web, old website uh, called Shocklines, uh, their forum back when they had website forums. Uh, uh, how did you get connected?
0: Well, I've always loved horror. When I was little, when I first learned to read, when I would go to the library, I would go straight to the Halloween books. Like even when I could just read picture books, I always liked ghosts and vampires and witches and monsters i've i I don't know why i've always loved that sort of story my grandmother who was probably the most influential person in my life growing up also loved horror it was her books her um old victorian ghost anthologies that i read you know when i was 10 11 12 13 and then my uncle who uh was also very into horror when I was 14 he handed me a box of books he had a million books and he was clearing out his shelves of of things he had you know multiple copies of or whatever and he handed me a box of books and it was Anne Rice and uh, Ramsey Campbell and Brian Lumley and you know Richard Matheson all these sort of the big 80s and 90s horror people so I started reading those when I got to high school I actually didn't read Stephen King till I was about 17 which Is sacrilege in the horror community, but it is what it is. So I've always liked those. That's always been my preferred genre to read. Um, In 2020, when we were all stuck at home during lockdown, I had even more time on my hands than I ever had. I I don't want to say I had more time on my hands. We were stuck at home, and my kids were finally old enough that I didn't have to pay attention to them constantly. Like, they could go do their own thing. So I had some more time than I normally would um and i started talking about the books that i was reading and it turned into being a reviewer getting review copies from authors and publishers uh, to the point that i was i was reading and reviewing 120 130 sometimes 150 books a year all in the horror genre and because i was doing that uh on all social media i would you know i would review a-, a horror author's book and they would follow me or friend me or whatever and i sort of built up this
3: well back
1: up you wrote fantastic reviews (laughs) okay that's a that's a key point
0: people like my reviews yes that's true um so on instagram is where i I started doing that bookstagram and i had a lot of horror authors and readers who followed me on there and then when i started my facebook page which was more as an author than a, a reviewer most of those followers sort of came over and also followed me there and then connections were made through those people to other people. And it just grew into this, you know, 95% of the people on my friends lists on any social media platform are horror people and the horror community. And Josh likes to tease me about this. We we're very tight. We're a tight little community um, and we help each other out and and look out for each other. And promote each other, it,
1: it's... Don't let her belittle herself. She gets mail from Random House, from, like, the big five to review new... She gets art copies of books coming out. I mean, how do you get a Mallerman to do a forward for you when you're not super well-known, right? Well, it's because somebody knew somebody that knew what you were doing for these big-name authors. And that's... She She got her foot in the door the hard way, but uh, because she's so talented... And has such a way with words and reviewing and like people will read her reviews and if a book she gives a book a three star, it deserved a three star. Or a five star, it deserved a five star. And she'll tell you exactly why. And she got the attention of some of the biggest people in the book world because of that. And that's how you get these people like Clay McCloyd Chapman and did I say that right? I was I just call him McCloyd. McLeod. Um, or or Gage Greenwood or Josh Mallerman or I think uh, Mother Horror is reading your book right now and
0: yes.
1: and so she, she she did it the hard way and the right way and it's it's amazing so she likes to say well I started this and this no 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 we get mail from the big names <laughs> at this house
0: I started at the bottom and worked my way slowly up to where I am now I'll just put it that way
3: Jeez, I slept my way <laughs> 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 well listen Heather. What do you want people to get out of House of Haunts?
0: House of Haunts, it, it, it's my baby. It's my first foray into this world. And I, I based this anthology in the part of horror that I know best, which is the haunted house ghost story. It's kind of old school. I want people to just be able to read it and, and enjoy it. I want them to be entertained by it. There are stories in there that will make you want to cry. There are stories that will make you cringe. There are stories that will make you want to throw things. Um there's there are, there's are one or two that will gross you out a little bit. I just want people to be able to pick it up and enjoy it, you know like like we did back in the day before everything became complicated or political or philosophical. It's just good stories you know you you'll be entertained by it it you'll be sucked into it and and pass some time in the world of Hale House and, and forget about real life for a while and just just be spooked. You know, be get get some goosebumps that that's the best feeling in the world to me. I can remember even as a kid reading a good ghost story and you get that, you know, shiver down your spine. And it, it's such a sort of beautifully innocent response to a story. And I just want people to have that. I don't want it to have to be this complicated thing. I just want it to be a pleasurable, scary reading experience.
3: You write that down That's how no. practiced. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Let me, I'm, I'm writing this down. I, I'm learning how to be a writer here. I've got to try and get it. <laughs> so. Listen, uh, guys. So where do people, where do people find you? Where do you like people to find you do you interact with readers? Do you have social media set up website um, bars you hang out in? Like where do people find you guys and water tower hill publishing? Well,
0: yes. Oh. Yes. To all those. <laughs> all, yes. To all of those.
1: So, um, jot, uh, my website's joshualloydfox.com. Uh, hers is Heather Miller Horror. Water Tower Hill is on all the social medias, and we're growing. We just signed six new authors for next year. Uh, one's a professor in college that wrote a Latino vampire story we're excited about. Another one wrote a true crime fictionalization in Mississippi we're excited about. You know, when we went back to the very beginning of this interview and we talked about the multi-genres that aren't all horror, that's what Water Tower Hill is all about. And then Parlor Ghost Press... Is going to release the next book in this House of Haunts series is going to be called Hospital of Haunts. We released that yesterday.
0: No, we released the news of it yesterday.
1: We released the news of it coming October 1st of next year. So because of the success of, of House of Haunts, we're just going to ride that train as you do in the book world. And yeah, you can find us everywhere. Water Tower Hill, um, on social media, uh, Joshua Lloyd Fox, Heather Miller, horror.com.
0: Yeah, all my, uh, social media pages are H Doherty Horror uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or, or X now. Um, it's the same thing on all those. There's a Parlor Ghost Press Facebook page. Uh, and if people would like to order our special limited edition signed and numbered version of House of Haunts, they can order it from the Parlor Ghost Press uh, Facebook page. There's a direct link to order it there, or you can find it on Amazon, um, in all Formats.
1: And they're coming to uh, like Gibson's up in Concord, New Hampshire, just got their order. in today we're we're in Ingram. So we're getting bookstores to get it in Um, any kind of media for that, including this show, um, is helping with that. So, yeah, we're we're hoping to be stupidly visible and right in your face, um, you know, moving forward in a nice way. Not even in a nice way. I'll uh,
0: I'll I'll be in a nice way. And, and if you want to find us at the bar, uh, lately we like to hang out at um, the Cigar Box. Yeah, Cigar Box. Uh, uh. Here in Tulsa. It's a, nice, it's a nice dark, smoky, jazz-in-the-background, you know, sort of mid-century kind of feel to it bar. It's great. We like and, to go in there. He smokes a cigar. We have a, some whiskey and relax
1: where Gardeners knows us really well here, Uh, Magic City Books. um, We're hoping to get in there with them here in Tulsa. We like Tulsa as a book. It's a
3: good book city. It really is. Well, fantastic. Now, we're going to have everything up on our websites and so people can find you easily. So, of course, the book to look for is House of Haunts. And uh, our guests, Heather Doherty and Joshua Lloyd Fox, thank you very much. Thank Thank you very
0: much for having us. Thank you both.